Hello and welcome back to the Minnesotan. My name is Connor Philippi, and again, thank you so much for being here for my second now episode. And I'm also happy to announce that I am now officially approved for iTunes. So if you're not listening on iTunes and you're listening on Podbean, I'd really appreciate it if you went to iTunes and downloaded my podcast and maybe subscribed. I would really appreciate everyone trying to get the word out. If you really like my podcast and want to share it with other people, I would love it if you would share it on Facebook, on Instagram, any social media platform you can think of. I just want to spread this podcast to as many people as possible, especially with everything going on. I want to be able to spread some good vibes and some uh, good-natured conversation to as many people as I possibly can in this time. So today is going to be a a day breaking down the free agency moves in this offseason so far for the NFL. There's been a whole lot of moves and some crazy big name players getting moved. I've I've never seen a, a free agency period quite like this in in my time that I've been interested in the NFL, which has been about ten years, I believe, ever since I was like eight or nine. And so it, it's been a crazy free agency period, and I just want to kind of break it down as much as possible. And I I, I can kind of talk a lot about free agency stuff. So if you like that, this is the episode for you. And we're probably going to spend the entire episode on it. So we're going to start off, obviously, this being a Minnesota-centered podcast. Again, this is not Minnesota-based, but I will talk a little bit about Minnesota stuff here and there because I am a Minnesota sports fan and that's what I'm most passionate about. But again, I love all-around sports and I'm going to talk about everything. So if you want to skip past the Vikings stuff, you can, but I'm going to talk about the Vikings briefly here So we're going to start things off, obviously, with the elephant in the room. Stephon Diggs was traded to the Bills in exchange for a first-round pick, a fifth-round pick, a sixth-round pick, and the fourth-round pick in 2021. And this means a lot for both the Bills and the Vikings. The Buffalo Bills now have a much better team. They have really improved it with an addition of a a wide receiver like Stephon Diggs. He's now sitting here with more help on offense. He's got more help on the wide receiver side than he has had in his entire career so far. He has had, he's kind of been stuck with some not bad wide receivers, but just kind of lacking, not, not many playmakers. And he's got a lot of young guys and having a veteran presence on the field, as well as just an amazing wide receiver is going to really pay dividends, I think, for Josh Allen's career. And, you know, Stefan Diggs can be quite the personality, but he, he can be locked in when he needs to be. And I think that's what's important for the Buffalo Bills here. As for the Vikings, it definitely was the best decision to let Stephon Diggs go. I think if a player is not happy with you and he's not going to give his all for your team for that reason, you can't really keep him around. There's really no choice but to let go of him in that situation because, again, if a player doesn't want to play for you, it can only hurt you as a team to keep him around. I've talked about this previously with Nolan Arenado for the Colorado Rockies. You know, why would you want to keep a player around when he's not going to put in 100% effort for you? The only effort he's going to put in is proving that he can be good enough to get free agency next year or the year after that, whenever his contract runs out. So again, you don't want players to be unhappy in your organization. The best thing to do is just to let them go. So I think this trade was the best decision. And as far as what we got for him, I think we actually got a pretty good deal. I think we can make a big move, maybe either drafting a wide receiver or we definitely need first round talent, both in the defensive tackle spot and the cornerback spot. Maybe we can get an offensive lineman because we definitely need more offensive linemen. And this free agency period for offensive linemen has been really, really rough and devoid of talent. So I think it's a good move for the Vikings to get a first round pick. Fourth and fifth round picks are still big. Those late round picks you can't sleep on, especially since, if you really think about it, Stefan Diggs was drafted in the fifth round. So yeah, everyone always says that those fifth and fourth and sixth round picks mean nothing and just might as well just get a first round pick, but it means a lot more than you think. Uh, Tom Brady, wasn't he a fifth or sixth round pick as well? You never know what talent you can get in those rounds, so those are some really valuable picks. And again, Stefan Diggs was a fifth-round pick himself, so I think the Vikings got a great deal for Stefan Diggs. They've got a lot of extra picks, and I hope they use those to their advantage. 
Now for the other unfortunate stuff going on with the Vikings, a lot of defensive players have moved on, including players like Stefan Weatherly and Linval Joseph. We've got Xavier Rhodes we let go of, which is a good decision given how poorly he played, but that's going to leave a big hole in our defense. Um, Trey Waynes and Mackenzie Alexander both left as well. So now we have pretty much Mike Hughes on in, in the cornerback position right now, and that's really rough for us. We're definitely going to have to make some moves, either getting someone from free agency to be cornerback for us or drafting one. Otherwise, we are in serious trouble. And then we've got Everson Griffin, who just recently left, which was personally a, a big hit for me because Everson Griffin was always one of my favorite players. He had so much energy. And you can tell when when he was around, the defense played with a lot more intensity. He really built the team up. He fired them up. And then when just recently, when he, a couple of years ago, when he had those mental health issues, the Vikings were really alongside him, and he was talking about how grateful he was about that. Which I'm not I'm not faulting him for leaving after that happening. That's not what I'm trying to say here. All I'm saying is that there's a lot of stuff that Everson Griffin went through with our organization and that we helped him through. And it kind of built up this personal connection to him that makes it really rough now seeing him go. So that's going to be, that's a really tough thing to, to handle here. A lot of our defense is left. The only consolation is that we did sign Michael Pierce to a three-year, $27 million contract, which is a great move. I think Michael Pierce is a great run-stuffing defender. He's a defensive tackle and he I think he's going to really pay dividends, sorry. Um also Jaron Curse left. I forgot about that. He um he signed with the Lions. Mackenzie Alexander by the way signed with the Bengals. So a lot of players leaving, a lot of players getting paid elsewhere and just a really rough hit for the Vikings. And now it's going to be a real change of the guard especially on the defensive side. So it's going to be really rough to see that. Of course, um, Andrew Sandejo also left. Just everyone on the defense that has really been impactful for us in the last two or three years have left. And then basically, now all we have is Harrison Smith, who, again, is a great safety. We've got Eric Kendricks, who is one of the best tacklers um, on the team and definitely in the league. And then we've got players like Daniel Hunter, I'm very glad we held on to him. If we didn't have him, we'd be in a whole world of trouble right now. We are still kind of in trouble here, but with Daniil Hunter here, at least we've got some we've got some defensive end help. He is such a, a, a huge player for us, and I'm really glad we were able to. I'm not 100% sure if we completely renegotiated his contract. It said that it says according to a source that it happened on Friday. I'm not 100% sure. They never said anything about what the deal was, what it was for. By the way, we agreed to terms with uh, tackle Rashad Hill as well. So we're making some moves. People have also been talking about the Vikings signing Robbie Anderson, which I guess wouldn't be a bad move. But I also think given what he's asking for, I think it would be a better move just for the Vikings to focus on free agency and just kind of cut their losses on what they lost this offseason and just focus on the, the, the draft market. Because people always assume that going draft heavy means that you're going to start rebuilding. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to start rebuilding. I see it as a possibility that the Vikings would start rebuilding. If we if we draft players that are not quite ready to start right away and that need some developing, if, we, if that's what we do a lot during the draft, then I'm going to kind of get vibes that that's what we're planning on, that that's the direction that we're planning on going. But that doesn't always necessarily mean that. It could just mean, because there's plenty of draft talent that can play right away in the NFL. So you never know what can happen. We'll see what happens on draft day. One thing I completely forgot to talk about, which I can't believe I forgot about this, is Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins signing a two-year, $66 million extension. And that's a huge talking point. I don't know how I forgot about it. So I have mixed emotions about this and what it means for the Vikings. I always hoped that we would go for a quarterback in this draft. It's a very good draft class for quarterbacks. It's also a good draft class for wide receivers as well. 
so I understand what the Vikings are thinking, not drafting a quarterback in this draft, but I've always been hoping that the Vikings could draft a big impact quarterback that is not just a safe player, that isn't just a reliable quarterback that won't make mistakes, and that will actually take the team and single-handedly propel them forward, that will take the game into his own hands. And that's that's the kind of quarterback I wish the Vikings had. And this is kind of coming from, you know, watching the Packers with Brett Favre and then immediately after Aaron Rodgers. We've been watching, as Vikings fans, we've been watching the Packers just dominate with good quarterbacks for 30-plus years. And it's been very annoying to watch. And we've just been sitting here gathering every safe quarterback we can. I'm not saying that Kirk Cousins is a bad quarterback. I'm not saying that at all. I think that Kirk Cousins is a very good quarterback, and I think that he is one of the more reliable quarterbacks in the league to not make mistakes and to not give games up. I know that one interception in the end zone, in the corner of the end zone, happened at the very very beginning of the season last year in week two. You know, we were down by five, we had it near the end zone, and we gave up that interception. But besides that, Kirk Cousins really didn't lose the game for us in very many ways. And, you know, all the dump-offs and all the playing-it-safe things, those were all play-call and play-design more than they were Kirk Cousins not knowing what was going on. Because Kirk Cousins is an insanely smart quarterback. He doesn't necessarily have the physical skills, the physical talent, and insane explosive playmaking ability that a lot of other quarterbacks have. He's not a Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. He, But he is a very reliable quarterback, and at least we have some safety net there, and that's what I'm happy about. But what I'm not happy about is that with Kirk Cousins, I don't see the Vikings winning a championship. And I really hope, obviously, that I'm proven wrong by saying that. But again, I just don't see the Vikings winning a championship with Kirk Cousins. I don't see him as a championship caliber player. I see him as a quarterback that with a good team and with a adequate offensive line, with a somewhat adequate defense behind him, like the Vikings are going to have this year, I see the Vikings going to the playoffs again this year. I don't think they're going to completely tank. Even without Stefan Diggs and even without a lot of our defense from last year, I think we should still be able to put together a 9-7 and or a 10-6 and year. And I don't know what's going to happen as far as if it's going to get extended, the amount of teams, with uh, whether or not it's going to be seven teams per, per conference instead of six now. I don't really know what's going to be going on here. But regardless of what happens, I think the Vikings should be able to secure a wild card spot here. That being said, Vikings fans all around the world want a championship. And I don't think Kirk Cousins is at the caliber I don't think he has the playmaking abilities, the heroics in his arsenal to bring the Vikings to a championship. I really don't see that as very likely, and that's why I was hoping the Vikings would draft a a QB in in this upcoming draft. I think there'd be something very promising about a young quarterback being drafted and learning behind a very smart Physically physically not that capable, but very smart quarterback in Kirk Cousins. Again, Kirk Cousins does not have this insane agility. He doesn't have this insane playmaking ability, but he is a very smart quarterback, and I think learning behind him would be very beneficial to a young QB. That being said, we're going to have to have Kirk Cousins on our team for another two, three years. We're going to have to see what happens. I see a couple more playoff berths in our future, I just don't see making much farther than that. And again, I really hope I'm proven wrong. So now let's go and talk about the the rest of the NFL. We'll talk about the trades. We'll talk about the free agency. Pretty much everything that's happened in the last week, I will go over right now. So we're going to go over these from team to team. But if there is obviously a trade that happened between two big players, like this first one I'm going to talk about, I will kind of jump from team to team. For the most part, I'll go through all the signings, all the stuff going on with each team, and based on the way I'm looking at this uh, time frame right now, this probably will be the entire podcast episode talking about all the moves because there were a lot of them, and there's a lot to talk about with them. So we're going to start things off with the Arizona Cardinals. 
So obviously the first thing I'm going to talk about with the Cardinals is that they traded for DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously, in my opinion, the best wide receiver in the game. Some people can argue Michael Thomas, but I think he's the best wide receiver in the game. They traded with the Texans, and the Texans, everyone's been talking about how bad a move this was, and it really was. David Johnson had a very good couple years with the Arizona Cardinals before kind of falling off. I remember I had him in fantasy the year that he got hurt, his wrist injury in the very first game. He went on the IR, and then the next couple years, he just wasn't the same. And that had nothing to do with the wrist injury, obviously. A a wrist injury isn't going to affect the way you run the ball. But, and obviously, I don't think it's his fault, primarily, because it just really wasn't the right scheme. And, you know, he had some bad players around him. But last year, it really wasn't much of an excuse. He had a good year, but he just wasn't elite like he he was in the last few years. And I think that the Texans were hoping they could rekindle that, and maybe they will. But I just don't see that paying off as much as it needs to in order for this trade to be worth it. Because they gave up the best wide receiver in the game, hands down. And the Arizona Cardinals now got a missing piece that they really needed. And now... I think the Cardinals can pull off an 8-8 eight and eight season just by that alone. I think that the Arizona Cardinals, they still are a ways away from being a good team, but they definitely are starting to build up the key pieces that they need because now they've got a very good wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. They didn't give up too much by getting rid of David Johnson because they have Kenyon Drake as a running back. They put the transition tag on him and he signed the tag on March 21st. Kenyon Drake did very well for the Cardinals last year. He was a great he was a great fit for their offense. You know, great uh, dump off catcher and and the yards after the catch was great last year. He was a great all purpose back, just like David Johnson was. And I think the Cardinals gained a lot while not losing too much in that trade. They re-signed Larry Fitzgerald to a one year contract. Larry's kind of getting down there in his career. Obviously, only a year or two left. So it's going to be a shame if he has to leave before the Cardinals can get back to a very good position to maybe try and go for another Super Bowl. They re-signed Devontae Campbell, and then they agreed to terms with Devon Kennard, a linebacker, and Jordan Phillips, a defensive tackle. So some good moves on the defensive side, and they still need a lot on defense. They're really lacking on defense right now. But those moves are proving that they're trying to move in the right direction and build up their team for a potential run because I think that Kyler Murray in the next coming years will do great things for this offense. I really see him as a Russell Wilson type player who can make something out of nothing and that's kind of the the type of quarterback that all teams are trying to get right now. The Atlanta Falcons made a big move by signing Todd Gurley to a one-year $6 million deal with the Falcons. He's going to get $11 million total to play in 2020 because of a signing bonus. But yeah, I don't know how I feel about this deal for the Falcons. I think that they needed to get another good running back now that they let go of Devontae Freeman, who just wasn't working out in their system anymore. He kind of seemed to need a, a side companion all the time, and it just wasn't really working out. Ito Smith... I'm not sure about, I wasn't sure about his durability as a starter, although he did play well as a starter last year. So who knows if if that was a good move. They could have just kept Ito in there, especially since the Falcons could make a, a postseason run next year. I think they definitely unper, uh, underperformed last year and they are a lot better than their record suggested. So they could make a run for the playoffs. And so I don't really know if, you know, it's, it's definitely going to improve their team. But it's just not going to improve their team, I don't think, to the level that paying him that much money would be worth. I personally think that their defense is is more of a concern for them. They're really lacking at cornerback. They've got a linebacker situation, and they need safety. So I think that uh, they definitely should have done more on defense rather than spending so much money on Todd Gurley. But I guess... That's always been the identity of the Atlanta Falcons is an explosive offense and, you know, an okay defense. But as long as they're doing their job, they have never really needed such a incredible defense and elite defense. So I guess that makes sense in that regard. But again, I just don't see the reason why they would 
make a move and spend that much money on on a player like Todd Gurley, who also, I should mention, has a lot of trouble with his knee and is very injury prone and is definitely declining due to that. The The Falcons got Hayden Hurst from the Ravens and Dante Fowler, Fowler Jr. on the edge, as well as Tyler Davidson at defensive tackle. All pretty good moves there. Now for the Baltimore Ravens, who also need some, some offensive line help and some some defensive help. They signed Michael Brockers, a defensive tackle, a three-year $30 million deal. That's a good move right there. Calais Campbell from the Jacksonville Jaguars, a defensive end. That's going to be big for their defense. They've got Matt, Matt Judon on the edge. They placed a franchise tag on him. They also got Matt Skura as a center for the team, so that's definitely going to help their offensive line. I can understand, personally, how the Ravens could feel like they don't need an offensive line for Lamar Jackson. But again, he's going to get contained more this year. I think that Lamar Jackson was kind of just a surprise to every team. No one really saw what he had in store coming. And I think that's definitely one of the main reasons why Lamar Jackson ran all over the place last year. He's still going to run all over the place this year. I just feel he'll be contained a little bit more. And you could always use some help on the offensive line. So the Ravens should still consider getting an offensive lineman in the draft, but they do need linebackers and edge rushers as well, so we'll have to see what happens there. Next, we've got the Buffalo Bills, who have been making some moves as well. Actually, a lot of moves here. Mario Addison on the edge, a three-year, $30 million contract, and $15 million in guarantees. That's going to be big for them. Vernon Butler, a defensive tackle, a two-year deal, $18 million. Obviously, we already talked about Stefan Diggs. That's going to be huge for them. Quentin Jefferson, a monster on defensive end, is is signing with the Bills. A big move for them is Josh Norman, a cornerback, agreeing to terms on a one-year $6 million contract. That's going to be huge for them. A defensive boost for them, for sure. The Bills' defense was definitely their strong suit last year, so that's definitely going to keep that rolling. And then they were able to re-sign Quinton Spain, an offensive guard, to a three-year $15 million contract. Not much to talk about with that, but yeah, some, some good moves, especially Josh Norman, that the, the Bills are making here. So next we have the Carolina Panthers, who made a huge move signing Teddy Bridgewater to a three-year $63 million contract, $33 million fully guaranteed. I am so happy about this as a Vikings fan. I watched him his first couple years here with the Vikings, that devastating injury and his his ability to come back from it. It's just such an inspiring story. I was actually at the Vikings-Bengals game when the Vikings were so far ahead in the 2017 season that they put Teddy Bridgewater in and the whole crowd was going insane and everyone was was really hyped up for that and it was such an amazing moment. I'm so glad I was there. Unfortunately, he very swiftly threw an interception in a few plays after that, but still, it was an incredible moment to see him back on the field, and now he was up for the Saints last year when Drew Brees got hurt and he played fantastic. Will that small sample size pay off for the Panthers, who paid him a lot of money? We'll have to see what happens there, but Teddy Bridgewater now has a chance to show what he can do, and now it's official that he's going to be the starting quarterback most likely with Cam Newton leaving. So that's going to be huge for them. Trey Boston's re-signing with the Panthers, $3 million, $18 million. And then we've got Farrow Cooper, Seth DeValve, not a lot of big names here. Interesting decision to sign Seth Roberts. He's a, a wide receiver that played for the Raiders for a while. So that's an interesting deal. The terms, it says, have not been disclosed yet. And then the big move here, Stefan Weatherly, who used to be on the Vikings, like I just talked about, now agreeing to a two-year, $12.5 million deal, which isn't really that much considering how good of a player he is. So that was a good deal for them. Moving on to the Chicago Bears, Nick Foles acquired in a trade with the Jacksonville Jaguars. That is a very interesting move here. They they, they did that for a fourth-round pick, which is definitely really all that he's worth right now. Everyone was thinking that he would play so well with the Jacksonville Jaguars after all his postseason heroics with the Eagles. Everyone thought that would translate into a new team, but it really didn't. He was just going, continuing his bounce from team to team throughout his career. And now we'll have to see if this this team works out. 
it's going to be really interesting to see what happens between him and Mitch Trubisky because the Bears made it very clear that if Mitch Trubisky is not performing well enough, they will put another quarterback in. That was the message they were sending by doing this. I think it was a very good idea to do this because it really puts Mitch Trubisky on his heels. It shows, you know, you're still the the starting quarterback on this team for now, but you have to show us what you're made of in order to convince us that you can still play at the level we expect you to play at. So it was a very interesting thing to do, and I, th- I think they made a good decision doing that. Jimmy Graham signed a two-year deal worth $16 million. He's been kind of moving all over the place in the last few years. His his contract is kind of coming to a close, and uh, but we'll have to see if it, he can kind of revitalize what he once had with the Bears. Also, Danny Trevathan, a linebacker, agreeing to a three-year extension. That's huge for them because if they want to keep their defense fortified, after it didn't play too well last year, it didn't live up to expectations. If they want to get back to that elite defensive level they were at two years ago, they need to continue to keep these players around. They do need more help on quarterback and safety now, so we'll have to see what they do there. Next, we've got the Cincinnati Bengals, who signed Mackenzie Alexander to a one-year $4 million deal. He was with the Vikings, and they also signed Trey Waynes, a cornerback, to a three-year $42 million contract. That's a that's a huge contract for Trey Waynes, who played well, but I don't think at an elite level, I don't understand why he got that much, but I definitely now understand why the Vikings had to let him go for all that cap space. So now the the the, the Bengals kind of have all of our cornerbacks here. That's kind of interesting. Unfortunately for AJ Green, the team placed a franchise tag on him, so he's not going anywhere, and it's just such a wasted career for AJ Green always getting hurt, unfortunately, and then always stuck on such a bad team. Obviously, the biggest concern here for the Bengals is quarterback, and they're most likely going to draft Joe Burrow, and if not him, if they trade for the number one spot, they will, no matter what, draft at least one quarterback. So that's definitely their biggest need, and they also need offensive line help, but they need help pretty much everywhere right now. Their defense is now getting fortified, so now they just need to focus on all things offense. The Cleveland Browns sign Jake Conklin, an offensive tackle, to a three-year $42 million deal. I was hoping the Vikings would get him because he's such a good player, but $30 million guaranteed. The Vikings just couldn't make that deal, and they couldn't offer that much, and if they could do that, they definitely didn't want to anyway. So that was huge for the Browns to kind of protect Baker Mayfield, give him more time, because as bad as he played last year, Baker Mayfield, he also didn't have a lot of help with the offensive line here, and they they still need a lot of offensive line help here. Austin Hooper agreed to a deal after, you know, all the Njoku um, injury stuff. He just can't stay healthy, and, and they need to move on probably from him because of all that. The Browns also signed Case Keenum to a three-year $18 million deal, obviously to be the backup, but I think to do the same thing that the Chicago Bears did with Mitch Trubisky. You know, Baker Mayfield had a very disappointing year. He didn't live up to expectations, and now I think that Baker Mayfield still has great potential to be great and be an elite quarterback in this league, but he needs some pushing because right now he's just kind of being told no matter what happens, you're just kind of the the leader of this team and, you know, you can do whatever you want. And Baker Mayfield is kind of getting this um, God complex like I was worried he would get. And now bringing in a player like Case Keenum, who was the starter of another team just last year in the Washington Redskins, not very long, mind you, but long enough to have some sort of authority. You know, he's he's been to an NFC Championship game with the Vikings He's, he's been through it all, so I think to have both a veteran presence on this team and also to have a player to kind of be competition to Baker Mayfield is going to be great for him. Also, one more thing for the, the Browns, Anderson Deho, a safety signing a one-year $2.25 million deal. The Vikings had him, and he was a great asset. If it's only $2.25 million, I don't really understand why the Vikings would let him go. But you know what? I'm not a GM. I don't know. But a great move for the the Browns who need to fortify their defense, especially if their offense keeps playing like that. 
Next, the Dallas Cowboys. They need some stuff on defense, that's for sure. They signed Anthony Brown to a three-year deal. Not that great of a cornerback, but it's it's some depth there. They signed HaHa Clinton Dix to a one-year, $4 million deal. That's a pretty interesting move. He's kind of been going all over the place now after leaving the Packers and then going to the Bears and now coming here. We'll have to see how that works out. A lot of their cap space, the the Dallas Cowboys cap space, went to Amari Cooper, who signed a five-year, $100 million deal, $60 million guaranteed, and $40 million at signing. That's a big move for them. Kai Forbath re-signed with them. He He was a great kicker with the Vikings. We've got Sean Lee who's a very good linebacker that the Cowboys needed to re-sign to fortify their defense. They've got Joe Looney, who is a an offensive lineman. The Cowboys placed a franchise tag on Prescott, but who really knows what's going to happen with that because they still haven't negotiated his contract. But in doing so, it kind of made it clear, yeah, we're going to get to that. So we'll have to see how much Prescott gets because he's getting he's getting, probably going to get paid a lot more than I think he deserves. Maybe I'll talk about that in a, in a later episode. The Denver Broncos, A.J. Boye, a, a great cornerback that was acquired for a 2020 fourth-round pick. I think, he, I think they could have gotten a little more for him because he is a very good cornerback. An interesting move for the Broncos here is they signed Melvin Gordon, running back to a two-year $16 million deal. I honestly think he could have gotten a little more for that <laughs> given the caliber of a running back he is very interesting move by the Broncos who had Philip Lindsay who's been playing very well and now they're going to put in Melvin Gordon which is definitely again an improvement like I was talking about with the Falcons it's an improvement to their team but just not worth it given all the other needs they have they need offensive line help they need wide receiver help they need stuff on their defensive line you know that front so I don't think it was worth it given you know, the cap space they're going to give up signing him. But again, I don't think they gave up too much for him. So we'll have to see what happens with him if he can be good on another team because this is the first time he's moved teams. We'll have to see what whether or not it pans out. The Detroit Lions were busy this offseason. They, tr- they signed a lot of Patriots, that's for sure. Jamie Collins, a linebacker, a three-year $30 million deal. Chase Daniel, a great uh, backup plan for in case Matthew Stafford gets hurt again. He was a an adequate backup for the Bears. Then we've got Jaron Curse coming from the Vikings, signing a one-year $2 million, $2.75 million deal, sorry. And then they've got Danny Shelton on the defensive line, Nick Williams for a defensive tackle. Some Some good defensive moves here, but they still need more because their defense really lost a lot by by losing Darius Slay who who left and I think they I think they lost Trayvon Diggs too so they've got a lot of help they need a lot of help on defense moving on to the boo Green Bay Packers uh they need a tight end after losing uh Graham and then they also need some wide receiver help to help out Aaron Rodgers he's a great quarterback but there's only so much you can do when there's really not a lot of wide receiver talent you pretty much just throw to Devontae Adams every time and hope he catches it at this point. They have been very quiet this offseason, only three moves, signing Christian Kirksey, a, an adequate linebacker, Mercedes Lewis, a tight end, and then Rick Wagner on, on the offensive line. So not very many moves. We'll have to see if the Packers make more moves or if they're just going to make all their moves on draft day, we'll have to see what happens there. The Houston Texans, we talked about their move for David Johnson, so we'll skip that. Randall Cobb going to the Texans, a three-year, $27 million deal. That's their insurance plan, you know, signing him instead of DeAndre Hopkins, who would be getting paid a lot more, that's for sure. They re-signed their kicker, Fairbairn. They got Darren Fells, who is a name, you know, we've heard for a long time. He's definitely at the end, near the end of his career. A.J. McCarron is a good backup plan. They got him as a backup for Deshaun Watson. That's a good move there. And then Jalen Watkins, a defensive back, a two-year $3 million deal. Not much there. And then we've got the Indianapolis Colts, who had a kind of quiet offseason besides signing a couple big-name players, one of them being Phillip Rivers, who signed a one-year deal for $25 million. It's kind of interesting seeing how much these players are getting paid. These, these veteran players because 
Rivers is only getting paid like $3 million more a year than Teddy Bridgewater is. That's kind of crazy to see. But I think that this fits perfectly with the Colts' offensive style. He's got a great offensive line behind him. It's a great place for a veteran player to be. I think the Colts can make a postseason run now that they have their quarterback. They also signed DeForest Buckner, which is a huge move. They acquired him with a trade for the 49ers. They got a first-round pick for him, and I think this is a great move for the Colts, who definitely need help on the defensive side. A fairly quiet offseason for the Jaguars. They made some moves, but not with a lot of big-name players. They got Darquez Dennard, a cornerback. Rodney Gunter on the defensive line. Not a lot of big-name moves for the Jaguars, and they lost a few players too. So I'm wondering if there's kind of some rebuilding coming up in the in the near future for the Jaguars. Also a quiet offseason for the Kansas City Chiefs, although you can't blame them. They didn't lose a whole lot of players, but they also are world are Super Bowl champions. So you can't really blame them for not making a whole lot of moves. They don't really need to right now. They did sign Antonio Hamilton, Chad Henn, and Chris Jones, and then they renegotiated for terms with Damian Williams. A running back, He's he was great for them in the Super Bowl last year, and he's just a great multifaceted player, so that was a great move by them. Here's the first time we're hearing this, the Las Vegas Raiders. That's kind of kind of a cool sound to it. I saw the live stream for the rebuild. I saw the live stream for the building of their stadium, and if you've never seen it, it looks so gorgeous, the black, so you should definitely check that out. It's such a cool stadium. But the Raiders got busy this offseason. They got Nelson Aguilar, a, a, a great wide receiver from the from the Eagles. They signed him to a one-year deal. Eli Apple, cornerback, they definitely needed some help on defense. So Eli Apple will 100% help with that. Malik Collins, a $6 million one-year deal. They got Corey Littleton, who's a linebacker, a three-year deal, $36 million. That's going to be great for them. Interesting move here, signing Marcus Mariota. He will give some good competition to Derek Carr, who has really not been playing up to par. Then we've also got Jason Witten, who, again, came out of retirement, is now kind of clinging on to the last specs of his career. He didn't really do that well with the Cowboys last year, and now we'll have to see what he does here. I'm not expecting him to do a whole lot, but we'll have to see what he does with the Raiders. Now moving on to the Los Angeles Chargers, who need a quarterback desperately right now, as well as some stuff on the offensive line after not being able to protect Phillip Rivers too well last year. Austin Eckler got re-signed to a four-year, $24 million deal. He definitely deserved that. He's a fantastic pass-catching and running, running back, running, running back. He is great multifaceted player. He's an all-around talent, and I think that it was a great move signing him and letting Melvin Gordon go somewhere else. I think that was a great move for the Chargers. Hunter Henry, they placed a t- franchise tag on him. We'll have to see if he stays healthy because he can be a great tight end when he's healthy, so we'll have to see if he stays healthy. The big move here is Linval Joseph agreeing to a two-year, $17 million contract. Enjoy him, Los Angeles Chargers, as a Vikings fan. He was incredible for us. Moving on to the Los Angeles Rams, they need some help with defense and also with the loss of Todd Gurley, they need some running back help, which they have not gotten yet. But they did make moves on the offensive line side of things, signing a three-year deal and a $30 million contract with Andrew Whitworth and also bringing back Austin Blith, Blythe, one of those two. So that's a good move for the the Rams to hold on to that that, uh, offensive line. They definitely are going to need it now that they have a different running back. I'm not sure if they're going to give a chance to either Henderson or I'm not sure exactly who they're going to put in there, but they had some good backups last year, the Rams did, that kind of lifted the load off of Todd Gurley as they found out that he was a lot less durable than they thought. So they have plenty of space for, you know, plenty of opportunities for running backs to kind of prove their worth. However, if they really want to make sure they have a good running back, they're going to have to get it through free agency because it really is a toss-up when you bring those backups into that starting position. You never know how they're actually going to pan out. So we'll have to see what happens there. The Dolphins made a lot of noise in the free agency market. Right now, the biggest concern still for them is a quarterback. So they they are definitely going to, it's looking like they're going to sign Tua unless they trade up 
with the the Bengals for Joe Burrow. We'll have to see what happens with that, but they definitely will get a quarterback in the draft unless they make some big move that none of us will see coming in these coming few days. But they did sign Jordan Howard to a two-year, $10 million contract, and they, they got some help on their offensive line. Ted Karras and Eric Flowers. Flowers signing a three-year, $30 million deal. They got some help with safety, Byron Jones with cornerback, and they got some some edge players, Emmanuel Agba and Shaq Lawson. And Kyle Van Noy is a big one, a linebacker that had been playing in the Patriots organization for a while. So the, the Dolphins are definitely starting their rebuild process. They need a quarterback and they definitely need a running back. They also need more help on their offensive line, but all that is going to come with the next few years. It's going to take a while to rebuild, but the Dolphins could be good in a few years after that. Moving on to the New England Patriots, losing a lot of more players than they gained, but they did sign B. Allen to a two-year deal of $8 million. Not much going on there. They got some some random wide receivers here and there trying to kind of add some depth to their roster. They, they re-signed Devin McCourty, who is, is huge for the, the Patriots. They really need to keep him around. They got Danny Vitale for, uh, for fullback. Fullback kind of in an underrated position right now in the NFL. They signed Brian Hoyer. He might be their their starting quarterback should they not elect to to pick one up in free agency because you never know, they might decide to kind of give up a little bit this year and try and get a good quarterback next year because they, they definitely will not make the playoffs with the roster they have right now. I don't think Brian Hoyer is going to carry them to the playoffs. That's just my personal opinion. They got Matthew Slater, and then they got, he, he's a great special teams player. They got Joe Thune for offensive guard, and I don't really know how I feel about the Patriots based on what's going on right now. They need a tight end, they need a linebacker, and most importantly, they need a quarterback. And if they're going to make a run for the playoffs this year, they need a better quarterback than Brian Hoyer. So that kind of gives me a vibe that the Patriots are going to start to rebuild their uh, their dynasty now that it's finally come to an end with the loss of Tom Brady. The New Orleans Saints re-signed Drew Brees, $50 million for two years, roughly at least. They have some holes at a cornerback, but they their defense is still looking pretty solid. David Onyemata, defensive tackle, three years, $27 million. Andres Pete, big addition for their offensive line. Emmanuel Sanders is an important one. Wide receiver from the 49ers is now agreeing to a two-year $16 million contract. That's going to be huge. They also placed a first-round tender on Taysom Hill, so I'm not sure exactly what they're going to do with him. The New York Giants, they need a lot of help on defense as well as on the offensive line, the offensive line being horrible last year, a big reason why Saquon Barkley did not live up to expectations, both fantasy-wise and football-wise. They, they got a lot of good moves on defense. David Mayo, Blake Martinez, Kyler Flackrell, and uh, Nate Ebder. And they signed James Bradbury to a three-year, $45 million deal. He's a big player for them. That's going to be, be huge for their defense. They signed Toy Lolo for a, a tight end contract of $6.2 million. That's going to be huge. And then interestingly, they signed Colt McCoy to be a backup for Daniel Jones. Backups proving to be a very important commodity regardless of how long the years go by. The New York Jets, they they need some, some help on defense, but that is getting fortified. And just like everyone else, offensive line seems to be a big priority for them. They signed Josh Andrews, who can be either a, a, a center or a guard, depending on how you look at it. He is signing, but we don't know what the deal quite is right now. George Fant at a tackle. Alex Lewis at guard. A lot of offensive line. Greg Van Roten. So a lot of offensive line stuff for the New York Jets. They also agreed to a deal with Brian Poole, a cornerback. I'm not sure if he's going to be a restarter, so not a whole lot going on there. The Jets, who knows if they're going to re-sign Le'Veon Bell. He might, he might hold out again this year. Who knows? Le'Veon Bell seems to be unhappy with the Jets now because they aren't winning. I don't know why he thought they were going to win before when he came here, but 
it looks like he's going to stay with them one more year, but he just did not perform last year. Who knows why? It could be a mix of him being used to the uh, Steelers offensive line, and now he's with a worse offensive line. Who knows? But we'll have to see what happens with him in the coming year or so. Going now to the Philadelphia Eagles, they signed Jatavis Brown, a linebacker on a one-year deal. They've got Jalen Mills, a a safety, a $5 million one-year deal. And then the big one is Darius Slay at cornerback. They traded with the Lions for a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick, and he gets a three-year, $50 million extension, $30 million guaranteed. A huge hit to the Lions and a huge improvement to the defense for the Eagles, who were having so much trouble with their their backfield last, or sorry, their secondary last year, so it, that's going to be a huge move for them. Nate Sudfeld's not much going on there; just a backup quarterback, probably going to be a third string. But Darius Slay is the uh, the big X factor here for the, the the Eagles, who he can really change their defense just as one person, and so that's that's a huge addition for them. They made a big. A great decision there. Now moving on to the Pittsburgh Steelers, they signed Eric Ebron, a tight end, to a two-year, $12 million deal. I know they have Vance McDonald too, so they're going to make that a very dangerous duo of those two players. And we've been seeing a lot of dual tight end sets in the NFL as of late. They also signed Derek Watt, a uh, fullback. Like I said, fullback is a very uh, underrated position. Also Chris Wormley at defensive tackle. He was traded from Baltimore for a fifth-round pick and a seventh-rounder. Not much value there, but he could end up being important for them. And then Bud Dupree on the edge. So they still need some offensive line help, just like a lot of teams seem to need. And then they have some, some holes on defense, although their defense was pretty impressive last year. The San Francisco 49ers had a strangely quiet offseason. After losing Emmanuel Sanders, they're going to have to make some moves in the draft to get a new wide receiver, or they're going to have to get one through free agency. But the only three moves they made were Eric Armstead, a defensive line lineman, five-year contract, $85 million, big move there, Ben Garland at center, and then Jimmy Ward as a safety, three-year contract worth $28.5 million. So a couple moves on the defensive side, but they they need some offensive line help, and it would be nice for them to get another cornerback because Richard Sherman is now gone. So the Seattle Seahawks are kind of in need of a little bit of defense, especially at the cornerback position. They haven't addressed that quite yet. They did get Greg Olson for a $7 million deal for one year, and we'll have to see if he can revitalize his career in a different area. He was so good for the Panthers the last few years and then last year he just kind of fell off and he didn't really have a good quarterback to throw to him so it's going to be interesting to see how he how well he does with a great quarterback like Russell Wilson throwing him the ball and then they also signed Jaron Reed a really great defensive tackle to a two-year 23 million dollar contract and now we've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers obviously everyone knows about this free agency move by now Tom Brady signs with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers two years, $50 million. I don't really understand what Tom Brady is thinking here. You'd think he would try to get on a team that can legitimately win a championship this year or even even next year if he's able to play that long. But now he's going to retire by for sure by 2022. And he's on a team that I don't personally think can make it to a Super Bowl in the next couple years. So... I know Tom Brady wants to get on a team where he can prove that he can do well without the Bill Belichick system, which we'll have to see if he actually ends up doing. I just don't see this being a good situation for him, especially considering you know it's not a it's not a system he's used to with Arians, and I, I don't know. I just don't think this is the best fit he could have gotten out of the the free agency market. So we'll have to see what happens. We'll have to see if Tom Brady has a really good last year or two or if he just really stumbles and falls and then has to give up and call it a year after these next two years. The Tennessee Titans signed Vic Beasley to a one-year contract, $9.5 million. Great addition to their defense. And then they placed a franchise tag on Derrick Henry. Who knows how much he's going to get paid, but he definitely deserves to get paid a lot after the way he played last year. They signed Dennis Kelly to, to provide some much-needed offensive line help, and then they re-signed Ryan Tannehill to a four-year, 
$118 million contract, $62 million fully guaranteed. I just don't see why they paid him that much. He, he played well for the second half of the season. He led the team to an AFC championship. That's true. But we've seen so many situations where journeyman quarterbacks have gone to a different team, have played really well, and then all of a sudden you pay him a bunch of money and he just doesn't perform well the next year. It just seems like a really big risk to take and it's a lot of money to pay someone when you've played well for that team for only 10, 11 games. So I don't really understand how much money he got paid and we'll have to see if it ends up panning out. And finally, we're concluding with the Washington Redskins. They need a lot of offensive line help as well as a lot of defense. They acquired Kyle Allen in the trade with the Carolina Panthers. They exchanged him for a fifth round pick. I think that's just some insurance in case Dwayne Haskins gets hurt or he fails to perform this year. I don't think that is anything more than that because Kyle Allen... I believe that they're they're counting on Dwayne Haskins as the quarterback of the future, but Kyle Allen is definitely one of the better backups I can ask for if I was an NFL team. Sean Davis, uh, they got Kendall Fuller on, on defense. J.D. McKissick from the Seahawks is now signing with them, so we'll have to see where that works out. And then Kevin Pierre-Lewis and Brandon Scherf. They're really improving their offensive line and trying to get their defense back on track after a really rough year last year. So that's going to do it for all the breakdown of the NFL free agency moves. If anything else happens, I will do a part two. As for right now, I might just kind of announce it at the beginning of an episode here and there instead of making a full video about it because now they're just going to be kind of little little moves here and there. All the all the big stuff is pretty much over. I'm really excited for what I have in store for everyone listening. I'm going to start this series where I ask for some random suggestions on my personal Instagram page and then I just pick up the very my my favorite one of everything that people suggest and I will just kind of randomly talk about it. It's just going to be really interesting to to just talk about whatever people want me to talk about and just kind of stray away from sports for a little while and just kind of get into a topic that I think is interesting and that viewers think is interesting. So I appreciate everyone listening to this episode of The Minnesotan. I really appreciate everyone who subscribes and downloads this podcast. I really appreciate anyone who subscribes to this podcast and downloads my episodes. It's great seeing those analytics. Also, please give me a review and rate it on iTunes. I really appreciate anyone's feedback, whether it's good or bad. Don't be afraid to give me less than five stars if you think there's something I can improve on. But if you do give me less than five stars or less than four stars, please give me a reason why you didn't think I was great. Because I know I'm not great and I want reasons why so that I can improve. So I really appreciate all of everyone's support. And I will be back for another podcast either tomorrow or the next day. I'm hoping to not get any more gaps between my posts more than two days. So I'm hoping to for sure leave only one day in between, if even that. So I appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. Thanks for listening. This has been The Minnesotan.